is Geek Gab with your hosts, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for uh, Saturday, February 8th, 2020. We want to welcome everybody to our 200th episode of this show. 200 episodes. Can you believe it? All right. This is awesome. I I find it hard to believe, but it's been great. Um, yeah, now people may wonder why we had to start this a little bit later than usual. And I will confess it was entirely my fault. You see, we had a big celebration planned. For our 200th episode, we had fireworks, we had elephants, we had a parade, we had beautiful dancers, and then the coordinator pointed out to me that those were primarily visual spectacles and thus were unsuited for the show. So I had to take an hour to fire all the people and uh, get that all packed up and put away before we can actually come on the air. So I apologize for overbooking the celebration. That was, in fact, my bad. It blew the whole budget, too. So... <laughs> You're just going to have to deal with the two of us today. Yes, uh, all of that vast, nearly uncountable, and I promise you it is absolutely an uncountable wealth uh, that we have we have made for the show here. All of it is now gone. That's a shame. That's a shame. Completely. Um, do you have any thoughts on our 200th? episode looking back at the show well let's see looking back it for me it really started off as a as a one of our usual chats we'd get together and talk about whatever for a while and you said hey i'm i'm doing this thing why don't you join me you should be my co-host <laughs> and i went all right let's do it uh so from the beginning, it was just a, just a phone call f from my perspective. But we grew in, in audience and interest. Uh, we started bringing on uh, guests from, from weird places of the internet. We get a lot of authors on. Brian Niemeyer joined us for many episodes as, as our third host. And it sort of grew into into something a little bit more, and it was, it's been fun. It's been uh, engaging. It's been one of the things that I look forward to doing every week. So, on a personal note, uh, it's been great. It's 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 been uh, one of my uh, great hobbies. Yeah, I love doing the show. Uh... It's given me motivation to go see movies that I would not otherwise have seen, many of which have actually been good. So, and, and got, some of which got, I haven't. Got lucky on a couple of them, huh? Yeah. So I'm happy with that. I am satisfied with that. <laughs> I have gotten to know the, the uh, workers at my local cinema far better than I would Otherwise, <laughs> there was that one year of the show where they just had movie after movie that were, you know, ones we were going to have to review. And so, and I'm not even joking, that was like 52 weeks of movies. So I went to see a movie once a week, every week for an entire year. That was kind of disconcerting. <laughs> they make movie passes for that now. At, at the theater. Have you signed up for one yet? No, I haven't. Flat fee. See all the films you want. Ooh. I don't know who the audience is for that, but 
Uh, I know the audience for us, and they're great. Hello to everybody in the chat. Glad you could join us live. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's right, Bradford. We don't we don't get to order off the dollar menu for lunch today. We blow all the <laughs> lunch budget. Um, let me say this. Um, one of the reasons we're still doing this show. Uh, uh, let me back up and tell back a, a funny, teeny, tiny story. Back in 2005, I started a little blog, and it was a political blog, and I had a few things I wanted to say, and I felt them very deeply, and I was very upset, and I wanted to say them, and so I started the blog, and I said the couple of things I wanted to say, and after like literally three days, I said all the things I wanted to say, and that was it. I didn't post anything on the blog ever again because I didn't have anything else I wanted to say. Unlike that blog, um, even after 200 episodes, there are still guests we can have on the show. And there are still things I haven't even begun to talk about yet. There are still subjects about world building and about game design and about all kinds of other stuff that we haven't even touched on. So there are still a lot of things that I want to say and a lot of things that a lot of subjects we can talk about and a lot of different things. And, and I'm not even including like, you know, movies coming out or whatever. Um, mostly those are the occasion for the commentary not, you know, commentary in and of themselves. But yeah, there are there are still a lot of things I want to say, and that's why the show keeps growing or and keeps going strong is because we haven't ever run out of material. It's not like we're um, it's not like we're regurgitating stuff. We're we're always moving on to new stuff. Always saying new things, always talking about new subjects. And, you know, if you go into the past, you'll find things that we don't talk about anymore because we said what we wanted to say, we covered it, and now we've moved on to something new. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm excited for the future of the show uh, and for the future of... Uh, future of us outside this show because there's a lot of stuff that we can do and a lot of stuff that we're going to do and uh we're not we're not even halfway through the things that you know we're not even halfway through halfway being through with the things that we can talk about on the show awesome hey what about some of the some of the short-lived spin-offs we had those were fun to do for a while. We had a <laughs> we, we had a we had a short gaming spinoff and a short author spinoff. What was the one Brian was doing? Uh, he called it on the books. They're still um, available on YouTube. Yeah, uh, he got 15, 16 episodes. Yep, and they were just short, quick, lunch break sized uh, shows on you know the art and business of writing. Yeah, so you, you can actually check those out. Uh, Brian Niemeyer did them, um, and they were, they were interesting. There's lots of useful information in them. Uh, on the books, you can check those out. And, uh, in fact, I, I think I set up a playlist for those. Yeah, there's a separate playlist for it. Um, and then we also had Game Night. Yeah, I we did uh, some gaming-centric shows that I ran and, and we got gaming interviews on. We got a couple of really interesting ones in there. Uh, the the one I remember the most is Mark Kern from Blizzard. We had him on and he talked about his game Ember, which I think they're I think they're in closed beta right now. So yeah. that's that's coming along. Um and that's available as a playlist too. If you want to check out game design and Dungeons and Dragons and also video games and things like that, 
So, yeah, we've done uh, a lot of stuff here on the show. It's been fun. It has. I'm excited. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why I had thought about doing an entire show looking back and talking about things, but we, and I even had a subject suggested and some people we were going to um, bring on the show and just have a big discussion, but uh, it didn't feel right because, like I said, we haven't talked about everything we can talk about. And I just thought, you know what? We've never done that before. We didn't do it for the 50th or the 100th or the 150th. I don't want to do it for the 200th. We have a little, you know, we have a little retrospective here at the beginning. But after that, we've got some movies I've seen that I want to do quick reviews or discussions about. And uh, my co-host has seen a movie he wants to do a discussion about. And we're looking forward. We're not looking forward. That's why we're not doing an entire show about what has come before. And I know that's a cliche, right? That's what every company says. Our company mission statement is that we are looking forward, not looking back. But it's, it's the truth. We are, we just got so much stuff we want to do and want to say and it's more exciting to do new stuff than to rehash the old stuff. And plus, nobody watches the clip show, right? Yeah. Yep. Nobody so, what? Which one of these? Now I gave you four names, and then you have your movie. Which one do you want to talk about first? I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. While while it's on the the at the tip of my tongue, on the top of my mind. I because all the Oscar nominees get one last hurrah in the theaters. I was able to catch a screening of the Korean film Parasite. Have you heard of this one? Yes, I even like read it. And I'll be honest with you. You know how whenever a movie wins awards, they have those two little I don't know if they're palm fronds or whatever. Yeah. Like, and they have the name of it in there. And if you look closely, sometimes they're really impressive awards. And sometimes they're like, you know, the South Bend Tribune um, yearly, you know, local movie award for whatever. Right. Sometimes they're crap. But typically I've noticed that the more of those a movie wins, the less likely it is I'm going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's most people's experience. I don't know what it is about people who go to film uh, festivals and, and vote for these, these artsy. But anyway, Parasite is and isn't one of those films. It's a Korean story about a family who is who basically lives in a basement apartment and is, they're down on their luck they're all out of work and they encounter an upper class family who is in need of a tutor and the son basically uh, the son of the poor family gets the job and it turns out that it's a family of con artists and the the son puts together this this web of lies and plans and basically gets his whole family hired by this wealthy family uh his dad is the driver his mom's the housekeeper so on and so forth <laughs> so they they just insert themselves into the lives of this upper class family and now i want to say something real quick I don't respect the criminality, but you got to respect the hustle. Oh, and that's part of the the fun of the film, especially the first, uh, I don't know, most of the film. It's very, very darkly funny. Uh, the It opens with, oh, man, these guys are really down on their luck. And then as soon as 
as soon as the the son gets an opening you see that he's oh no this he's he's pretty unscrupulous and he t- he he takes after his dad and his his family is all in on it like there it's a whole family of hustlers it is I mean, it's shot very effectively. It's funny. Uh, the the sight gags are funny of them almost getting caught uh, being together as a family or, or uh, hiding in the house at, at night or something like that. The story gets a little bit strange at the end, uh, which is where... most of us left the theater sort of scratching our heads. I even heard one guy say, well, you know, it's a cultural difference. I don't know. Uh, The story gets really weird because at the end, it gets, it's the end. The last act begins completely madcap. And it takes a sudden swing into horrible violence. I hate to spoil that but it gets really strange at the end and the people who come through the story. Okay. Aren't the people you expect to come through the story. Okay. And I'm not sure there's any moral to the story though. It does appear to have a lot to say about what makes a person low class, what makes a person high class and, and the, it it takes great pains to show you the squalor and misery that this hustler family lives in versus the upper class family who's literally above it all. And, and they don't, they don't even see, they don't even comprehend the struggle of all these other people that, that live, you know, in the same city. So it does say, have a lot to say about the differences between the classes, but it didn't have a traditional story ending or moral ending that you'd expect. And I, and I suspect Brian Niemeyer's nodding at his desk right now going, yeah, of course, that's a difference between Western and Eastern storytelling. I don't know. I'm not sure the ending was satisfying, but it wasn't incorrect. It, it followed from the rest of the film and, and, and the, the zany, uh, all the zany actions at the, right before the very end of the film are worth it. The climax of the film is crazy uh, and worth it. So, yeah, I I see why a bunch of audiences at Cannes and, and other places have, you know, granted it the award and why it was nominated for an Oscar and everything like that. It was if if you want to reduce it to an art film about differences in classes and and whatnot, yeah, sure. Uh, maybe you'd roll your eyes, but it was darkly funny and it, and, and there's some fun moments in there too. So it was entertaining. Unlike all of those movies with the awards that you mentioned earlier. Cool. So it was actually worth your time. Yeah. I, I, I didn't feel like I wanted those two hours back. I, I enjoyed the film. Uh, I left the theater scratching my head at the end, but uh, the ride was fun. Um, is is there anything you can say? Like, if you like this movie, you'll like Parasite. Hmm. If you liked Gone Girl, you might like Parasite. Ooh. I did not, see Gone Girl. Not quite the same film, but the same sort of I can't believe they're this unscrupulous and I can't believe this is happening and it might, they might actually pull it off. That sort of, uh, that sort of crazy thriller. It, it did. Uh, Gone Girl did shock me once you started to see behind the curtain, just how ruthless she was. And stretching your, suspension of disbelief to the limit. And, and that happened a couple of times in this film where like you had to take, take a step back and say, wait, no, I'm watching a dark comedy where we're supposed to stretch it a little bit. <laughs> <clears throat> um, well, 
Do you have any last thoughts on the movie before we jump to the next? Uh, no, I, I gave my thoughts. That's that's it. Do we have any questions from the audience? Doesn't the audience like doesn't it. care. They don't. They, the only Korean films they watch are animated robots slugging it out. Am I right? Oh, dude, Train to Busan, though. Not what? that you'd like it. It's a zombie movie. Is it? Yeah. Uh, also, there was The Kingdom, um, which is a zombie movie, but it's set during the golden age of Korean medieval um, kingdoms. And so it's all, it's a period piece. It's all, you know, gorgeous costumes and gorgeous, um, just beautiful. And then there's these zombies that come in and they have to fight them off with, you know, archers and things like that. It, it was, uh, it's a series on Netflix and it was genuinely disturbing. Uh, and and just thoroughly enjoyable. Um, <laughs> so that's two Korean, and I want to watch the host. I don't think I've ever had a chance to watch it all the way through. It's a monster movie um, about an aquatic monster that starts snatching people. Um, I have a chance to watch it, but I haven't finished it all the way through, and I really do want to watch it just to because uh, I've heard heard uh, several reviews have mentioned it positively and it's been out for a while now and I just want to give it a chance so I am not entirely without culture in the Korean sense of the term in fact I've watched more live action Korean stuff than I have anime oh I was just referring to the fact that Animation studios generally are hire, yeah, they hire out Korean animators, even if it's a Japanese show or a Chinese show or whatever. Yeah, like the GI Joe cartoons were animated by, you know, Korean animators and stuff. Oh yeah, Sunbows. Okay. Well, I myself am going to start with an overseas movie, and. Uh, I'm going to have to apologize mm. because I cannot give a review of this film. I cannot tell you anything about it. I can't tell you the plot. I can't tell you the, the genre. I can't tell you anything other than the small synopsis I'm about to give you because anything else I tell you will spoil the movie. It will ruin the movie for you. All I can say is that I, I'm going to draw upon this fact. If you have found my reviews or my analysis of movies and such to be at all useful or interesting, I recommend this movie. And even though I can't give you a review of it to tell you why it's actually a really good movie, you should go watch it because it is worthwhile. I found it to be just really, really great. The movie is called One Cut of the Dead. It's a Japanese movie. And the premise is that there is a director who is shooting a zombie movie, but he can't get the reactions he wants from his cast. So he 
So when real zombies show up on set, he keeps exposing his cast to real zombies and filming it so <laughs> he can get real emotion. <laughs> I bet. Now, that's all I can tell you about the movie. And whether you like or hate zombie movies, you should watch this movie. The, all I can say is there are twists and turns, and you're going to be very surprised about where the movie goes. Wow. Don't read reviews of it before you watch. Don't read, don't watch YouTube analysis of it. Just watch the movie first and then, you know, do whatever else you want. Now, you may not enjoy the movie as much as I did, but I think it was a lot of fun. It was very enjoyable. And I thought it was brilliant in a lot of places. And you absolutely won't be able to predict where it's going. So this is not so much a review as it is a recommendation. One Cut of the Dead. It's available on Shudder, um, which is the horror streaming service you can get a seven day free trial um and then you can watch this movie and whatever else you want to watch in those seven days and then cancel it and it won't cost you anything um so uh, that's my recommendation for One Cut of the Dead. It's called that because you'll notice that it's done entirely in one shot. Oh, cool. So, highly recommended from me. And I wish I could tell you more, but I can't without spoiling it, and it would not be as cool if you knew anything else going in. Well, I, that's a great premise. You can do you can do anything with that premise, and it sounds like it's a hoot. So, that's my overseas movie for the week. You didn't know that, did you? You thought, ha, 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 I've got a Korean movie. No way will Daddy Warpig have anything foreign, because he's never had a foreign movie before. I Frankly, I didn't know you were that cultured. <laughs> um. All right, let's let's jump to should we do birds of prey? Do it. Birds of prey. Now, I'm going to shock people when I say this. Birds of prey was actually at its core a pretty good action movie. Not super it's got decent fight scenes. The fight scenes aren't as inventive as what I've... Oh, I admit it. I compare movie fight scenes to John Wick. Now, that's unfair. 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 I admit it. They're not as good as John Wick, but then again, nobody's as good as John Wick. Okay. Um, they're good fight scenes, though. They're they're entertaining fight scenes. Um, at one point, Harley's getting beaten up, and she, you know, yells at the the little girl she's trying to save. A little help here, and the girl tosses her a Zippo. And you know, you'd expect like baseball bat, knife, something, gun, something useful. Harley's eyes all light up. She gets this big maniacal face, maniacal smile on her face. She lights up the Zippo, and the guy has this huge beard, and she sets the beard on fire. Oh, no. 
goes up and he's screaming and slamming, you know, patting at it to try and put it out. And so it's funny. It's comedic humor or it's comedic fight scenes and they're amusing. Um, It's got a lot of humor in it and that's amusing. And the Harleyisms, if you know what I mean from like Suicide Squad, because it is Margot Robbie's Harlequin from Suicide Squad or Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not so super obnoxious as you would expect from the trailers. The trailers actually did this movie a huge and grave disservice. That made the movie look obnoxious and hyper political, and it's not. Because the trailer set it up as this is Harley Quinn's movie, and and the whole narration was done by Harley Quinn, and it, it set up this girl power story. See, I I figured this out. Uh, I think this morning. Because I was watching the movie, and I was watching the movie in the mindset of a guy who likes action movies. And it was just, you know, action movie. There were, don't get me wrong, there was some stupid stuff in it, and I'll talk about that in a sec. But it was just an action movie. It's not even really a superhero movie. No, let me, let me, let me say that differently. It's not a superhero movie. It's just an action movie. Um, nobody's in a superhero costume. It, it's just an action movie. That's a really good observation. They're not oh. in superhero costumes, are they? No, and 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 it's enjoyable. I like it. I'm not. I'm not saying that to put the movie down, but. Uh, and so, yes, Holly Quinn gets some narration in there, and it it is her movie because Margot Robbie came out and went to Warner Brothers and said, I want to make a movie with a cast of female characters around me. So they picked the Birds of Prey, um, who were, you know, all female um, bat family vigilantes and such. That's fine. Um, but... I forgot where I was going with that. What what did you say that made me go off on that tangent? Uh, something about Margot Robbie's narration and girl power and, and how the trailer made it out to be what it wasn't. Right. So I was just watching this because it was an action movie and I enjoyed the action movie other than a couple of obnoxious things that came into the movie. Really, they didn't come into the movie until like, three-fourths of the way through, some of it a third of the way through, and it was just sprinkled in. Because I think the people making it really meant it to be a girl power movie, but I think they forgot that to an outsider, it just looks like an action movie. Like, Margot Robbie is about to be kidnapped by a couple of guys because she broke up with the Joker and so she doesn't have his protection anymore and everybody hates Harley Quinn. <laughs> so they're about to kidnap her because everybody wants revenge on Harley Quinn. And so Black Canary um, gets into a kung fu fight with these guys in the alley. Well, to an action movie person, that's just an action scene. That's just some cool action. And it is a really good action scene. It's done well. But if you're a girl power person, what you're thinking is, oh, yeah, look at her. She's a woman beating up a couple of guys. Yeah, you go, girl. Nobody actually thinks like that. (laughs) Smash the big <laughs> Nobody actually thinks like that. <laughs> um, but they try to make movies to make it seem like they think like that. It's worked for audiences since Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> so, 
I think that their expectations of what they were trying to do with the movie and what audiences would get out of it are two completely different things. Hmm. And I just was enjoying it as an action movie because it was. <laughs> um, so the, the trailers did the movie a grave disservice. And people are going to say, well, her costumes are hideous. Oh, yeah. Harley Quinn's costumes were just downright ugly. And that was a mistake. It was a mistake because when you put on a trailer, uh, it made her look ugly, made her costumes look ugly, and it put people off from the movie. They shouldn't have gone that way. They should have gone a different way. Uh, what I'm saying is their publicity campaign really let the movie down. This movie is far, far better than the opening numbers would lead you to expect. Hmm. Um, and there's a bunch of bad guys, and they get in fights with the, you know, heroes and the anti-hero who have teamed up. And I don't know. I liked it. It was a 100% traditional action movie kind of thing. There's a big crime boss. And other than the fact that he wears a black mask sometimes when he does things, and even that's not really uh, the way he wears it, and what he wears isn't really superhero-ish. It's more kind of, you know, Silence of the Lambs-ish a little bit. Um, it's just not a bad movie. Uh and they had to, of course, sprinkle a couple of stupid things in there. Um, but they're literally just like three sentences at the end where Black Mask says, um, Brothers, men of Gotham, uh, let's go up there and, and uh, kill those bitches. Okay. And you're like, oh, I get why they did that. Because he's the patriarchy and he's going to smash the women, but they're going to stand up to him. Um, they should have they just hired Kurtwood Smith to just come in and say, bitches leave. <laughs> See? Um, if you, if you're going to cast a misogynist like that, do it with style. Yeah. Um. You know, most of the movie, he's this actually in command, uh, pretty frightening, in charge, ruthless crime boss. And then all of a sudden, for a couple of scenes, he becomes this, he, he throws a temper tantrum. He becomes this whiny baby who cries. Huh. Just because they have to make him look like a man baby. They can't have him be. See, what this movie should have been is he should have been like Bane was in The Dark Knight Rises. Just big, strong, confident, evil. Or, or like, uh, like the Kingpin uh, is in the comics. Just absolutely confident, absolutely has unquestioned authority, and when these people get in his way, because one's a cop who's, yeah, and you saw it in the trailers, right? One's a cop who's investigating him. One's his, uh, you know, kung fu driver who betrayed him. One's a girl who stole something from him. Uh, one is killing people who are under his protection, and he won't abide that. Um, and then one is Harley Quinn, who has done so many things at his club because she had immunity because of the Joker, he just uh, making him weak makes him less of a threat, which makes their victory less impressive. He should have just been this hyper uh, confident, tough bad guy, and that would have been a great climax. But they did a couple of things to make him look stupid, and it just it didn't work in the movie. But. Uh, fundamental misunderstanding of the the dynamic in an action film you yeah. need you need the 
opponent to be strong, tough, competent, so that the hero has a challenge to overcome. Right. And and if if you undercut that by making him, yeah, you you get that laugh, but you trade that laugh for a satisfying payoff. So what I'm saying is it's not a bad movie. It's got good fight scenes. It's an action movie. They carried off mostly well, and there's some kind of stupid things. It's it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And not even judging it like on underwater, you know, underwater. The the judgment I gave underwater was, I came in with low expectations, but it's actually a decent movie. It's okay, and so I was satisfied. This is actually a pretty good action movie um with enough superhero-ish stuff sprinkled on it um they made some big mistakes it's it does not feel like gotham it's not dark it's not raining it it feels like la it's always bright it's always sunny you know it's la um some of the characters were done so beautifully and so well that they fit in perfectly. I mean, they really, really did a great job with Huntress. Um, she's the girl who uses the crossbow. Her character made perfect sense beginning to end, who she was, where she came from, and, and you know this in the movie, what she's doing and why she's doing it made absolutely perfect sense and the way she fit into the movie and what she did in the movie, uh, this was not a badly plotted movie in every case. It was, I mean, it wasn't a badly plotted movie. The movie plot made sense. There wasn't a ton of plot holes. I mean, they glossed over some stuff, but every movie glosses over some stuff. And it wasn't like they just forced characters to do stupid things. Um, and we've gotten used to that, right? We've gotten used to these girl power movies. Just things just happen because they need them to happen just for the plot. But that's not what happened in this movie. They actually had a story. Now, could it have been a better story? Yes. Just a little bit of work would have made it a far better story. But they actually took the time to do some good stuff with the characters. So Huntress worked perfectly. Cassandra Kane was not Cassandra Kane. She should have just been a random orphan. Give her a different name because she wasn't Cassandra Kane. Um, Rosie Perez plays Renee Montoya. Uh, and Renee Montoya is a uh, lesbian Gotham PD cop. And other than the actress being far too old for the character. Um, she does a good job. Um, so that wasn't terrible. The performances weren't awful. Um, it, it, I mean, it, it's not a movie filled with holes. It's not a movie filled with bad things. It's, it's a good movie. You're, I, I don't know. <laughs> you, you made it sound like it wasn't. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad you found a, a satisfying action film instead of another dreadful comic cash-in. Uh, so, so I appreciate you making that sacrifice for me and the audience. Batman doesn't show up at all. Um. Dinah Lance, they uh, they imply that she's the daughter of um, a superhero who died while she was superheroing, and that's why she has all this kung fu knowledge and why she has the special sonic attack that she has. So even when they gave a girl girl power super kung fu powers they had an explanation in the plot in the movie it wasn't just there so she for no reason that she just knew how to kick butt uh, Cassandra, uh not cassandra kane 
uh, but the huntress, um, she had been raised from the time she was a little girl by assassins. So she learned how to kill and, and punch and other stuff by assassins. So once again, she kicks ass, not just because she kicks ass, but because there's actually a, a, a good background reason. And they built the character who makes sense in the movie. I'm kind of, I, I was kind of stunned by how good the movie was. It, it was unexpected. <laughs> I was not expecting it. So you'll forgive me if I seem kind of, you know, I'm really reluctant to say that the movie was pretty good because I just didn't expect it to be pretty good. But analyzing it, it was pretty good. I, I'm not saying it was super great, but yeah, it was pretty good. So would you say, is it fair to say that the folks behind the DC stable of movies is learning something? Are they improving over time? Uh, this movie is probably in the top three, top four of the DCEU movies. Uh, and it might even be in the top two. Because it's head and shoulders above any of the other ones that are coming to mind right now. Fair enough. So, I mean, I don't know if the larger corporation is learning something, but all the DCEU movies I can think of right now. Oh, there we go. Wonder Woman was great. So it wasn't as good as Wonder Woman. But then again, Wonder Woman was a superhero movie. So... This wasn't trying to be a Wonder Woman. This is trying to be something different. Um, oh, Fair. and they didn't give away the entire movie in the trailer. That's something new. So, yeah, let's move on. But, yeah, uh, Birds of Prey is actually a pretty pretty decent movie actually a good movie so the turning um it's a horror movie it's based on the nine, uh, 1898 novel called the turning of the screw um and i'm trying to i'm wrestling with my conscience as to whether that means that you know a 122 year old novel means that it doesn't matter what I spoil. Um, I will just say this. The director of the movie, there was a lot, it was a fun horror movie up until near the end. The director out was more interested in proving how clever they were. I don't know if it was a woman or a man. I No, it was a woman. Okay. The director was more interested in proving how clever she was. And so the ending went all weird and pointless uh, because she was trying to deconstruct this and undermine that. And there was a literary realist tract written in 1907. So just about nine years after the novel came out that said, hey, if you take this cool uh, ghost story and you do this with it, you can look at it as if uh, it's actually this dreary tale of of something else. And boy, isn't that cool that I'm a literary realist and I'm so clever and, and I've just completely ruined this ghost story. It was going on in 1907 too. Um, but yeah, she took that point of view on the movie and tried to have it both ways to where it was both um, a cool ghost story, and also uh, the main character was going insane, only maybe it was one, maybe it was the other, or maybe it was, and I'm going to blow your mind here. Are you ready for your mind to be blown, man? I'm going to blow your mind. Maybe it was both. Wow. Mind but, blown. 
I'm glad you prepared me. I had my hands on my head to mitigate the explosion. So yeah, it it uh, up until the very end, it was a pretty cool ghost story. I enjoyed it. Uh, they did some scares. Some of the scares didn't make sense. Once you got to the end, looking back at it, they didn't make sense. Um, and then they tried to do this kind of twisty thing that was just dumb. They she should have just made it a straightforward ghost story instead of trying to be super deconstructionist, clever girl. Just because some literary realist critic did it in 1907 doesn't mean it was a good idea to do it also in 2020. So that was the turning. Um, you know, if you like horror movies, if you like ghost movies, watch it when it comes on HBO or whatever or a streaming service, but I would not go to see it in the theater. Um, Birds of Prey, you could go see it in the theater. Um, I would not say it's a necessary movie. This is not a movie that's absolutely necessary to go see in the theater. It, it's a good action movie, but it's not a landmark action movie. It's not an experience that you have to go see in the theater. Um, and the last movie I saw was Mayhem. Um, and I think this is a movie that everybody saw the trailer for. It stars Glenn from The Walking Dead, who's the pizza guy who became their uh, tactical genius uh, and who died from having his head bashed in with a vampire bat. Um, with oh, a spoilers. Bat. Sorry? Spoilers, man. Uh, that happened like four years ago. Oh, I don't watch that show. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, Glenn is in it. He is a lawyer uh, in a, you know, very large, very prestigious law firm. And in this world, there is a disease that uh, turns off all of your behavioral inhibitions. So uh, if you get angry, nothing was stopping. It's like being really, really drunk without the slurred speech and loss of coordination, right? If you get really, really angry, there's nothing stopping you from assaulting someone or killing them. If you get really, really... Um, you know, libidinous, there's nothing stopping you and someone who you absolutely should not be involved with from going at it somewhere, maybe in public, uh, so on and so forth. So um, it is a, uh, so his building is, uh, now this is known, it's happened a couple of times before, and there is even a landmark court case where a guy got cleared for a murder he committed while under the influence of this virus um, because it was pointed out that medically speaking, he didn't have control over his actions. And the person who came up with this loophole, who came up with the case, is uh, Glenn himself. So this lawyer who came up with this brilliant loophole to defend people who uh, get dosed with this virus is in his building, and he gets outmaneuvered by the siren, who is one of those women who is very, very beautiful and very, very tall, and who knows just who to talk to to finagle her way through office politics to uh, have a lot more influence in a company than her position uh, would otherwise indicate, and she gets him blamed for a mistake that was heard, and he gets fired. Um, but before he gets fired, he tells the poor lady who's going to be foreclosed on that there's nothing he can do to help her. And then the virus gets released in the building, and everybody goes nuts, starts killing each other, setting fires, yada, yada, yada. So they start, uh, they're going to be, for various reasons, killed by the boss man's um, thugs. And, but they start out on a journey of revenge to climb up 
the building to get to the penthouse where all of these uh, ultra-rich head partners, lawyers of the law firm um, are holed up. So the movie is gruesome, but not as gruesome as you would as something in the seventies or eighties would have would have gotten away with or would have tried with. Man, nineteen seventies horror is just a landmark for being visceral horror. This movie is kind of tame compared to that. A lot of red splashed around, but. They just lack the true killer instinct of a horror director. Um, and it, it's got an interesting plot. There are twists and turns and things like that. The problem is that the people who, I don't know if it's the people who wrote the script or the people who directed the movie, they're, you have human beings, highly intelligent human beings whose inhibitions are completely removed. And all the things they come up with for these super intelligent people to do are so pedestrian and so boring. They are absolutely not creative at all. They're obvious. Um, at one point... A couple of people gather around and start betting on who's going to win a fight to the death. <laughs> That's a little creative. That's better than everybody just trying to kill each other. I mean, once we've seen people trying to kill each other, okay, that's fine. We get it. That happens. That's the basics. That's your, you know, that's your potato. Okay. Now you want to go for something that's interesting. Even if it's just there for the background, you need to invest time and creativity in making it interesting. Come up with things that people would do without their inhibitions. That is, um, that's not obvious. So what are some things people might do when they come up with without inhibitions? Well, maybe they are uh, maybe they're playing Russian roulette. You know, they wouldn't normally do that, but maybe they're playing Russian roulette for bearer bonds. And each time uh, you don't die, you get a bearer bond. That's worth like $100,000 that they looted from the company. That's interesting. Hmm. And it's not obvious. It's a little bit of thought put into it. Uh, maybe they're trying to sled down the hallways on carts and they're jousting. And if you hit another person and knock them off, They'll fall six stories to the ground and die. So you're risking your life for the ultimate thrill. That's unusual. That's different than just trying to kill each other. And it's something somebody might do if they had literally no inhibitions. You know? Sure. I. Uh, I it'd be interesting to see all the people who make it who have a lot of wealth and power what they would do would how they would make the rest of the world dance like puppets now coming up with games like that yeah the virus uh has you know around an eight hour active time so after eight hours it goes away so they have a short window but man how could you not take advantage of the premise that you put into it? And and I'm gonna this is a fair cop if you want to criticize me, because I said exactly the opposite at the top of the show that we're looking forward and not looking back, that we have new things to talk about. But I am gonna talk about an old thing here. Writers always exploit 
the hell out of your premise. Always, always, always. If you have a great premise for your book, mine it for all that it's worth. Rest every drop of coolness or interest or color out of it. Throw away everything that's boring or repetitive. You know, and if it's going on too long, it's boring and repetitive. But man, oh man, if you're handed a premise that says you have a building full of people that are quarantined, that literally the building is surrounded by SWAT teams, so that if you try to get out, they will shoot you dead. So you're stuck in there, in this powder keg, and you have no inhibitions. You know, maybe you get a... A bunch of people taking off their clothes, doing a drum circle and smoking pot. They're not killing each other. They're not even, you know, boinking. They're just doing drugs when they would never do drugs before. All these straight-laced um, lawyers and whatnot. Exploit the hell out of your premise. Whatever it is, exploit it. Use it for all that it's worth. And if you've got a golden premise, don't let it slip past you. These people did not put any thought into their premise. They didn't put, well, they put a little bit of thought. That's not true. They put a little bit of thought into their premise. And uh, I'm going to spoil part of the movie. Sorry. Oh, my God. Um, when they go to fire him, the partners vote. And the way they vote is by drawing their thumb across their throat. If they draw their thumb across their throat, that means he gets fired. Glenn does. Um, so they all vote. It's unanimous to get him fired. Okay. So at the end of the movie... When he's up top, finally makes his way up to the penthouse, he's got the big boss by the britches hanging over a nine-story drop. Um, he has them vote. Just like they did when he was getting fired. They all vote with the same gesture, and so he drops the boss. Okay, that's an interesting callback to the start of the movie. That's a little bit of thinking about your premise. But it just wasn't enough. I wanted more imagination put into the movie. And so I'm not saying it was a terrible movie. Um, depending on what you like in, you know, depending on what you like in movies, Mayhem might, might excite you. It's also a Shutter exclusive so if you go in and get a free week of Shudder to watch One Cut of the Dead, you can also watch Mayhem at the same time. Um, just know that it kind of disappointed me because the people who made the movie didn't bother to put enough imagination into it to really, really do something worthwhile with their own premise. That's a shame, but it sounds like the you really enjoyed the you, you enjoyed the heck out of your free trial of Shudder. Actually, I got lucky. There was a short period of time where there was some women's something 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 or other, and if you signed up with the right code, you got a month of Shudder instead of a week. So uh, I, I've still got like three weeks left. <laughs> <laughs> I actually retweeted it into my timeline so everybody else could see it. So I don't know who saw it or who took advantage of it, but, uh, you know, I shared it for my homies. So That's it. That's my movies. Those are the four movies I saw. Sounds like you had a good time. I did for the most part. None of those were bad. They all just had some, you know, flaws. Oh, I had a good time too. I've got nothing else to talk to talk about for today. How about you? No, we're we're out of time anyway. Time is fungible. 
in this space. Time but is relative, man. I would like to express my profound appreciation for the folks listening later, everybody hanging out in the chat, listening live. It's been great chatting with you. And of course, my co-host, Daddy Warpig. It's been a good time. Cheers on 200 episodes. Um, me too. Um, uh, thanks, Dornall, for uh, hanging out with me for 200 episodes. Uh, thanks, everybody, who's been hanging out with us since the beginning, and who we want to thank everybody who's joined us along the way. Um, this is Geek Gab. We're available. We do this just about every week, um, usually about 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, although that we may be uh, changing that time in the next little while, we will, of course, let you know. Um, we are uh, available on YouTube.com com slash geek gab that's youtube.com slash geek gab go ahead and uh check this out you can listen to this episode and all of our previous episodes or uh you can check us out on soundcloud.com on the itunes store and on the google play store just do a search for geek gab and uh you can listen to us on the device of your choosing. Folks, we are signing off for today. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.